Hi, Nicola Davis here. Before we start today's episode of Science Weekly, we wanted to ask a small favour. We want to know a bit more about you, our listeners, and your views on podcasts more broadly, which, in turn, will help us to shape our own. As a thanks for your contribution, there will be a chance to win a John Lewis voucher worth £250. And don't worry, we won't take any personal details other than an email address for those who'd like to be entered into the prize draw. If you would like to help us with this, you can access the survey on guardiansurveys.com forward slash podcast or click on the link in the episode's description on the Guardian website. Now, on with the show. The Guardian. Welcome to Science Weekly Extra, where we're exploring some of the scientific questions surrounding the coronavirus outbreak, including those sent in by you, our listeners. Thank you for all the questions you've asked us so far. We'd love to keep hearing from you, so do contact us using the form we've set up. Head over to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, all one word. In today's episode, we'll be looking at testing for COVID-19. It's something that became particularly relevant when the UK government announced the purchase of 3.5 million antibody tests last week. But it is also something that many of you have been asking about, the different tests being developed and how the ones currently available actually work. If the virus is in our solution, those DNA particles turn out to be looking like the virus. So then we can say, aha, we found viral particles within the original sample. I'm Hannah Devlin. This is Science Weekly Extra. Yeah, are you working at home at this point, Davey, or are you still...? No, uh, I'm trying to... uh... Before we start, if you haven't listened to recent episodes, then you might notice that things sound a little different. Like many of you, we're now working from home, but we wanted to keep this series going, so please do forgive us if the sound isn't quite as good as usual. So we're still going back and forth. So luckily my lab is right next door. So This is Davey Smith, a virologist at the University of California, San Diego. tested, all that sort of stuff. That's going to be my day. Davey, we've heard a lot about the different kind of tests that can be done for coronavirus, and there's a lot of discussion about the testing regimes in different countries. I'd just like to start by you taking me through what the different kinds of tests are out there to see whether someone's got coronavirus and whether they might have had it. Yes. So the testing landscape, if you will, is quite evolving. The main test that's being used right now is what we call a PCR-based test. And it is what's being used everywhere. And it basically looks for the actual RNA, which is the genetic material within the virus. Other tests that are coming on board hopefully soon are tests that can measure serology that is just starting when somebody uh, gets infected. And that's an antibody type test. Okay, and I've heard that this coronavirus is what you call an RNA virus. So is that the stuff that you're looking for, the kind of genetic material of the virus? That is correct. So this is an RNA virus, which is a type of nucleic acid, which is, uh, makes genes um, for all of us. But we have a DNA form that makes RNA. These viruses are just an RNA form. 
Okay, so let's start with this PCR test, which is used to diagnose coronavirus. If you're someone that thinks you've got symptoms, how would the test be done on you? Like, what kind of sample does it involve? How long does it take to get a result? So we take a nose swab where the virus is located. And then now once we have it in the mucus, we have to get rid of all the other stuff that's in the mucus. So we extract uh, the virus out of that. And once we have it, that's where the RNA of the virus lives. And once it's in the RNA form, we need to now change it into a DNA form. So that's a requirement of another uh, reagents and solutions and some chemistry. Once we have it in the DNA form, then we can put it into the PCR reaction, which is polymerase chain reaction. And we use little pieces pieces of other DNA that recognize what we're looking for in the virus. And those little pieces of DNA are called primers and they attach to the viral DNA. And once they're attached there, we use enzymes at various temperatures. We have to turn the enzymes on and off by using different temperatures and that's called the cycling. And those reactions build other DNA particles. If the virus is in our solution, those DNA particles turn out to be looking like the virus. So then we can say, aha, we found viral particles within the original sample. Because of all those different steps, it takes us about three hours in the current methods to get the virus detected. And how accurate are these tests? If you, if you have one and you get a positive result, is that definitely going to be correct? It, every test has false positives and false negatives. So but they're pretty good. So if the reaction detects a viral uh, particle that's there, then it will read out positive and there's a very, very good chance, probably around 99% that the virus was in that sample. There are times when contamination happens in a lab or when a sample is collected and perhaps um, that could mess up and give a false positive result, but that's pretty unlikely. If you've been infected, how long will you test positive for? Some people will test positive for two weeks after they're infected, but usually once symptoms go away, that usually means that the viral infection is over and they'll stop uh, shedding, especially in their throat. Uh, we are early on and I'm sure we'll get better data as we learn more and scientists do more testing to figure out exactly how long it takes for the virus to be completely cleared. What it does look like is once someone stops having symptoms, they're much less likely to be infectious. So you've said that these tests can take three or four hours. I can imagine in a critical care situation, the clock's ticking. You want to make a decision on a patient's treatment. That can be quite a long time. I know that some labs are trying to get that down to 30 minutes or an hour. Could you just tell me a bit about how they're managing to compress that time frame? Yes. So basically it requires... Uh, those enzymes to be changed temperature going back and forth, back and forth. And that causes the reaction that allows the DNA to be built, that allows us to detect it. So new advances in microfluidics can decrease the amount of fluid, the water basically, that's needed to boil or cool down over time. So one of the companies that I'm working with has a test using microfluidics to make really, really small droplets of water that can be cycled very quickly in temperature to allow the reaction to occur much faster. So they have it down to less than an hour uh, for giving the person their test results back. We're currently validating, validating them here in my lab and we're moving them over to the hospital soon. Um, and hopefully we can ramp up production if they're, if they're found useful. Okay, and um, we've heard a lot in the UK about antibody testing 
Our Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said that these antibody tests are going to be a game changer in terms of the way we respond to coronavirus. Uh, And the idea is that they would allow us to see not just who's got the infection, but who's had it in the past. I wanted to ask a bit more about progress towards having a working antibody test and kind of what the picture is out there, because it looks as though there's kits, there's companies, you know, offering services, there's um, public health labs developing their own kind of in-house lab-based tests. It sounds like quite a mixed picture. Good, good question. So antibody test and a serology test are exactly the same. So when someone gets infected, they first make an antibody called IgM, and that antibody can be used to detect somebody in the very early stages of infection. And then afterwards, that antibody shifts to a more uh, of a, a response called IgG antibody. And both of those are serology type tests, and we can detect those much quicker than we can through PCR tests. I don't know how much of a game changer it is, but it could be. But it goes back to that question of reinfection. If one person gets an infection and then they can't get reinfected, then a serology test could be very useful. We could use that very quickly. We could know within a few minutes, 20, 30 minutes, whether or not somebody had antibody to that coronavirus. And if they did, and that we knew that they couldn't get reinfected, then yes, that would be a very useful tool. If they could get reinfected, then the serology might not mean anything. Okay, so having the antibody in your blood, if you've had coronavirus before, it's not an ironclad guarantee that that same antibody is going to protect you in the future? We don't know. So that is an open scientific question that we need to figure out. So we've got people who are getting infected. We can see some of them because they're showing up at hospitals, kind of being logged as positives. But then we've probably got a pool of other people who either don't have symptoms or don't have severe symptoms or just don't get tested. And, you know, for public health authorities, it's quite important to know how that, what that proportion looks like, um, both to kind of project what's going to happen next and to know things like what the real fatality rate is. Is that something that antibody testing could help with? Yes. Um, for understanding how the epidemic goes through a population and who is still might be at risk or who perhaps is even more at risk for the infection, antibody tests will be very, very important. David, you've said, and it's been really apparent while reporting on this, that people, the community has never moved quicker to get new tests out there. The you know amount of labs and companies involved has been just incredible to see. But are there any things on the ground that are holding you back in terms of getting these tests out there? Yes, I, I, I'm going to make a, a pitch. And it might seem self-serving, but I I do think that this is true, that we're going to get through this pandemic through science. And that's going to require the public and the government to really invest in that. And that requires people being willing to be test subjects and research subjects for various vaccine candidates that are coming out, various treatments that happen. The real way we're going to survive this all together is to come up with how to fight it. At the moment, I see big holdups in how to get the science uh, funding and resources out to the uh, scientists who can really help and hopefully get us over the hump and get a vaccine and treatment. Thanks again to Davey. 
We want to keep hearing your questions on the science behind the outbreak. You can get in touch by filling in the form found at theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, all one word. If you want to read, watch or listen to more coverage on the COVID-19 outbreak, make sure to head over to theguardian.com and especially make sure to listen to our sister podcast, Today in Focus. Thanks for listening. Stay inside where you can and remember to wash your hands. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.